The Inside Story dives deep into the world of whistleblowing, uncovering the untold tales from behind closed doors. Join us as we explore the challenges and impact of speaking up to stop harm. Elle Holland is a recent first-class graduate from the University of Salford. During her time at university, Elle was president of the university's law society and winner of the 2022 internal mooting competition. Elle also recently went viral on LinkedIn after posting about helping her mother win her whistleblowing case, which has since been covered by the Law Society Gazette and Legal Cheek. Join us as we delve into Elle's case, as told in her own words. Hi, my name is Elle Holland. I'm here on the podcast today to talk about my mother's unfair dismissal whistleblowing case. I assisted her on the case in my first trimester of my third year at university. In the hearing, we went against a legal 500 partner and my mother and I worked together over a period of two years to piece together the minefield that was the tribunal process and the intricacies of the law. The judge ruled my mum had 27 out of 29 protected disclosures. In the case, I was lucky enough to advocate for my mother and help her with her oral submissions and questioning of the witnesses. I have a real interest in being an employment solicitor because of this process, and I'm really interested in pursuing this further. We're very grateful that Elle has agreed to be interviewed about her extraordinary story. So it's with great pleasure that I introduce to you Elle Holland. Welcome and thanks for joining us today. Here at Protect, we've been following you and your mum's incredible story with lots of interest. So we're truly so excited to have you today. Could you start off by telling us what you think pushed your mum to risk losing her job, do the right thing and speak up about wrongdoing? And what were the biggest difficulties she faced when doing so? Well, thank you for having me. My mum was a carer, so she cared for elderly people and obviously there was a lot of things that she was witnessing that she really couldn't stand to see like neglect and abuse and she really felt that this could escalate into potential deaths or like serious injury and she was really really concerned for the people that she was caring for um I think she risked her career because of that I don't think she could deal with seeing people in such a vulnerable position being treated that way and some of the things that she was seeing was something like a pad hadn't been changed you know in the time frames that they should have been but for her that was really serious like these people are human beings they shouldn't be being treated this way and I think that moral duty and like who she is as a person I think that drove her to um, be a whistleblower and she just really couldn't take seeing it um because she's a brilliant carer and she's always cared for people. Um, she's worked as a carer since she was like 15. So it's been her lifelong career and every home she's been at, she's always been like, this isn't right. We should do this. We need to change this. People need to act this way. Um, but yeah, I think that's ultimately the reason that she has a strong moral compass and she did what needed to be done. 
she does sound like an incredible carer and an incredible person at that. Um, and, you know, certainly on, on the advice line, we get many calls from, from care homes and the concerns there are always amongst the most damning uh, with lots of very vulnerable people being taken advantage of. Now, the tribunal process is infamous for being highly cost, admin and time intensive, often failing the workers it is meant to protect. What was your experience with the employment tribunal? How accessible is it for someone without a background in law? And how much time did it take you to defend your case? I don't think it's accessible at all if you don't have um, a solicitor involved. It was so crazy for me and I had had the context of a law degree um I wasn't too involved at the start like my mum is very headstrong she did all the research she kind of did like the ET1 form herself and stuff like that I would say I got involved at the preliminary hearing um I think at that point I was a decent way through my degree and she was kind of like this is now escalating. Like, what do I do? How is this going to be for me? Um, so she came over to my apartment to do that preliminary call and they set the date in that and kind of aired out any issues. And she was absolutely terrified after that. I obviously couldn't be in the room for that. And she was by herself and she was they, they had a lawyer, so she just felt like she wasn't being heard. And maybe I think the judge she had at the preliminary hearing, she felt wasn't really explaining things to her as well as they did in the actual hearing, which was amazing. Um, I think she just felt lost and really overwhelmed. There were things that were kind of ironed out as issues that she didn't know how to explain. That She kind of felt they needed to be there and stuff like that, like certain things on the claims that maybe were just brushed under the rug because they had a lawyer to kind of advocate for their side. And she she was a bit confused, I think, really confused. So I spoke to her after the preliminary hearing and we had the date at that point. So everything during that period leading up to it was just kind of preparation. But again, she didn't have a solicitor so we were working with their solicitor to create the bundle um and there were things that she just didn't understand things I had to help her with in the preparation um but there were issues that were coming up and she was like I just don't know what to do with this um she kind of had to go through me for everything and if I wasn't there as she said this herself that she would not have been able to continue because even the admin stuff was so overwhelming and like the amount of emails the deadlines um like formatting issues and stuff like that like I had to teach my mom how to do control c and v like she did not even know <laughs> simple things that she needed um to use on her computer but it, it I think it's so inaccessible and the stress of not being able to rely on a lawyer or have someone even validate the things that you're thinking because I was a student at the time and of course I was like this is the law this is your case I think we're, we're good on that side but obviously that's just not how you win a case and um, even though I was so confident in her case and the facts as time approached, even I was like, oh my God, like, I don't know if we've got this. I'm not a professional. I don't know how this goes down in an actual courtroom. Um, 
So I think we really relied upon each other because the process was really difficult. And like I said, I even found it tremendously hard. I got panicked every time an email came through. I was like, okay, let's just strip this down. What what are they actually asking us to do here? Um, but it it was mind boggling to say the least. Like we got there in the end, but it was so hard to navigate. I think you've definitely touched on several reasons why the tribunal process is so difficult to to navigate on its own. And then, of course, whistleblowing cases are in and of themselves very, very difficult to win. So I think all of this goes to show really, you know, how incredibly heroic and and selfless you've been in in helping your mum and then, of course, successfully winning the case. But the reality is that even those few claimants who end up successfully um, bringing a case do not always walk away from the tribunal satisfied. Um, Do you feel that the remedy awarded to your mum was adequate or not quite? Um, From the get-go, all my mum wanted was to win the case. She just wanted everything that happened to be validated. Like she now struggles with so many mental health issues because of that period in her life. Um, And she's dealing with a lot and that's a long lasting effect. And she doesn't really leave the house. Like it was really serious for her. Um, And she did just want to win, but that whole time, I think around two years, she wasn't working. Um, She was on universal credit and she really didn't have much money and you know she was really just living between those paychecks but even if she was in a good state of mind she was doing so much work for this case she wouldn't have been able to do that along a full-time uh, full-time job anyway um insofar as the remedy I don't think it was adequate like after my mum paid back that universal credit fee um she has nothing left now and like money is not important but she, we're, we're a few months after she was awarded it and she didn't go out and spend all the money. Like it wasn't like that. She just paid off any debts that she occurred. This was like a really, it was, you know, it was pandemic and it was a really bad time for her to lose her job. Um, so after the universal credit was paid back and she paid back her debts, she immediately didn't have anything left. And she was working a few months ago. Um, in a a work from home, like admin type job, but they lost their contract. So again, now she's back to square one, someone who worked in in this career for so long, um, did a job for a few months and now she's back there again, like worrying about um, finances and what she is going to do because she's very headstrong and my mum has worked my entire life like we used to finish school and go to the care home she was working in she would do like 16 18 hour shifts have a nap go back um she's worked my whole life so she's very motivated in that sense and I think although she got like a cost remedy there is nothing to remedy how she feels or how this affected her um how this will continue to affect her for the rest of her life. Like for them, this was just an angry employee who caused them hassle. And for her, like her whole life has been uprooted and, you know, she suffers a lot from it. So no, I don't think the remedy was effective. 
We certainly hear that a lot. I think for many whistleblowers, what they're really looking for is sort of having their moment of, of justice in court. So just being heard and, and winning a case can can mean a lot, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the damage that was made is is repaired in any way. But lastly, um, having recently graduated from university and now embarking on a professional journey of your own, how has this experience shaped your approach to speaking up in the workplace? And do you have any sense of whether the new generation of workers, so-called Gen Zers, might have a different approach to speaking up at work? Yeah, so as a graduate, I actually think my mum's experience has made me really cautious of where I'm applying for. Not that we'd run into the same issues, but just as like a culture kind of thing for me, you know, as a law student, I was like, I'll take anything. I'll train anywhere. Like, I just need to get the job. And now I, I think I'm really, you know, doing my due diligence with this. Like, I'm really like, oh, these are real issues in, in the real world. And, you know, um, learning about Protect and other professionals that you guys liaise with, it's just opened my eyes to like the real world. Um, but I think for me and perhaps the rest of Gen Z, I do think there has been a shift in like mental health priorities. We're seeing a lot of things with like a four-day work week and working from home and how this shift in priorities is getting into the profession and I think that ultimately my well-being would I would prioritize that over being a lawyer in a specific firm um that's just for me and my mum's experience has definitely opened my eyes to that like things can really affect you and I think I would stand up for myself and stand up for anything that I had witnessed um but I don't think the profession I'm going into has as many like moral consequences as my mum was facing so I'd like to say that I would but I just don't know the circumstances and I don't know if that priority of mental health would affect that um hopefully I don't run into anything like like my mum did but yeah I think there's a shift in priorities as a generation like my mum grew up with you she didn't even get GCSEs like she left school at 15 went straight into work as a carer and then like got her qualifications as she went through the ranks but that was definitely a really big step for someone in her generation to just leave a career that's all you've known and you know she's like like 15 years off of retirement um and I think she really went against the norms in that way I don't think a lot of people at her age would do that I think a lot of people would close their eyes to what was going on even though that huge moral obligation but yeah I think for me I depending on whatever scenario I may encounter I would just kind of be happy to leave that like say firm in my instance or even profession like it's if it turns out to be something I don't think it will be I'm happy to do that even though it's my dream like I will adapt I'll find something else that's not as scary for me as I think it will have been for her 
I think those are some very, very wise words to end on. Um, thanks so much, Elle, for joining us today. Thank you. For free confidential advice on raising whistleblowing concerns in an employment context, call Protect on 020-3117-2520. You can also head to Protect's website for accessible resources on whistleblowing.